0: Hello and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real life superheroes. My name is Ace and I'll be your host. On today's show, we have a man who is a superhero in the business development and coaching spaces. On the surface, he might seem like this guy is helping you with your businesses. However, he is secretly working with you on redesigning your life. This man is a complete game changer and it is a pleasure to have him on today. Please give it up for Antonio, the Ironman Bravada. Tony, <laughs> Thank welcome you. to Thanks. the show.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. That was a great intro. I like that.
0: My pleasure, man. Tony is the owner of AMBCO, which is a coaching business that helps people grow their businesses and life. He is also the host of Antonio Bravada's Business Coaching and Optimization Podcast. And if that isn't enough, Tony is also the author of several books, including Swimming Upstream and a children's book called Jump to the Stars. You can learn more about Antonio on his Instagram at Antonio M. Bravada. All right, Tony, you look like a guy who's willing to jump right into the fire. So I have this really important question to ask you. You you ready to dive right into it? Let's do it. Awesome man. Okay, here, here we go. How you doing, man?:
1: I'm doing good this morning. Yeah, I' been up since 5 a.m. took my dog out. It's about 28 degrees uh, out here. There's snowed overnight, and you know, I don't enjoy doing that, but um, you know, it's one of those things where you practice what you preach, and I had told, tell everybody, you know, act on your commitments, not your feelings. so no matter what, that's what I do.
0: That's awesome, man. And I I live by that as well. That's a perfect way of saying that. Do the things not because you feel comfortable or you want to do them. Do them because you're committed to them to do them yeah. daily. I always talk about daily action on this show. And as a coach, I know you preach that. you, But you have to live that by example before you could ever expect anyone to follow what you say. Yeah. Well, at least that's the hope, right?
1: <laughs> that's the hope. I mean, I believe that with everybody. I think that it doesn't matter if you're a personal trainer or if you're a business coach or if you're a marketing coach or a life coach or whatever it happens to be. You know, nobody wants to go to the gym and get a personal trainer who's you know, thirty five percent body fat and and doesn't work out, but teach you how to work out. Right. So even though if they might have the knowledge, that that has nothing to do with it. It's just kind of you know live what you preach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I remember playing little league baseball and coaches. You know, the coaches were overweight. I guess they're called dad bods these days. Yeah. And I was just like, why are you telling me to run all over the place? You can't even do this. Like, why are you expecting me to do something you can't do? You know and so, I
1: noticed in all of the sports? I think that baseball is the one professional <laughs> sport you can get away with not necessarily being in the best shape.
0: That's true. Big poppy as a prime example. So you said your, your East Coast time, are you in the Northeast? Or what What part of the country are you in? Uh, in Michigan so midwest oh michigan okay so go blue i guess that uh, right big game's they're having up a year soon. this year
1: yeah I'm, yeah I'm more of a notre dame fan but michigan is uh they're right there but when they play each other uh i gotta go notre dame but it's nice to see michigan kind of step out for the first time since like 1997
0: so it's kind of cool yeah yeah no that's that's really awesome um you're in the coaching business, you're in the business coaching business. And to let the audience know, Tony is very good at what he does. And this is something you've committed to for your life to help people in their businesses. However, was this something that you always knew you wanted to do? Or can you tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah. Um, growing up, it was just me and my dad. So uh, he got married when I was nine, and my first brother came around when I was eleven. So for the first nine, ten years of my life, it was just him and I. And he was a managing partner at New York Life, and you know he was busy, and so I would always be in the corner of meetings, and uh, you know I'd be with my Game Boy or doing something on my own, homework or whatever it might be, and but you don't realize what you're paying attention to without paying attention. And so I kind of grew up around business owners my whole life. And when I was about 12 years old or so, um, I remember grabbing one of my dad's tapes that he had. Um, it was a tape or a CD. I can't remember, but, uh, it was Tony Robbins and I was mesmerized by Tony and Anthony Robbins at the time. And, um, I just kind of dove right into that. It just grabbed me. And when I started my career, I started in financial services, and I was doing very well. You know, I was 18 years old, and I was making too much money for an 18-year-old. And uh, but I wasn't happy. And um, you know, every year they they have awards and councils, right? So there's like a chairman's council, which is like the top one percent of sales agents and stuff like that, and And I had hit those a couple of times, but every year you start over and you're just kind of ground zero with everybody else again. And it's always what's next. Right. And so for me, I wasn't happy. So in 2008, the end of 2008, I started um, uh, a coaching clinic that was designed for salespeople and it was to teach them how to sell. And I did that for a while and I just wanted to be more rounded. And I was always more comfortable around business owners because I knew I had more to give than just sales. And so I, I started working as a consultant because I knew everything up here, but I didn't know how to tell people how it was just kind of, you know, instilled into me and just habits that I had formed and I didn't really know how to explain it. So I would always tell a business owner, let me come into your business for maybe six months, maybe a year and let me do it because I don't know how to tell you. And all of the people around the organization, they can just watch and hopefully learn by watching an example. And I did that for a long time. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet a lot of people along the way with my own businesses and my own lessons that I've learned uh, some good, some bad. Um, and with Keith Cunningham and Todd Hartley and Robert Kiyosaki and, um, Ken McElroy, who wrote the ABC to Real Estate for uh, Robert Kiyosaki, and um, David Meerman Scott. And then I ended up meeting my coach. I've always had a coach, um, but uh, JT Fox um, is a nine figure entrepreneur now. And um, I've been molded by lots of different people. Tony Robbins is a lot more of the mindset and the life side of things. And everybody else that I've met along the way is business. And JT Fox is. the opposite of Tony where he does not care about your personal situation. He's all about business. Right. And so I kind of put myself right in the middle um, because I do believe that, you know, you have to pay attention to life as a, as a, as a business coach. I don't even really like the term business coach. I I'm I'm a business strategist. um, But I think people identify with what the coach is. Um, But as a strategist, you know, one of the things that I learned over the years of, you know, that saying of it's lonely at the top. And one of the things I saw missing from all these business owners that I had the opportunity to grow up around was they have problems just like we do. And if something's happening in their business, even if it's a 50-50 partner, if they're the main driver, they're not going to they're not going to say those things to their partner because They don't want to freak anybody out. They can't go to a boardroom. They can't go to meeting and staff and, and lay out some things that are happening where inside they're like, oh my gosh, this is not good. On the outside, they still have to be that lion. And vice versa, they're not going to go home to their spouse because the achiever in them says, I will fix this. It just might be a little bit. And they don't want to cause undue stress to their spouse, which is going to cause more stress to them. So I realized that as a strategist, I need to know everything that's happening in your personal life and your business life so that we can effectively develop a strategy to work you through it and get you to that next level or whatever that plateau is. Um, So I realized pretty early on that I have to pay attention to the life side of things and um, learning the, you know, neuro-linguistic programming and how to rewire your mind and, and a lot of the mindset stuff that You know, you sit down with some people and they're like, yeah, yeah, I've done that with my visions and all this, but it's so important because if you don't know where you're going and you can't visualize it, how are you going to, you know, if, if, if I'm going to go on a road trip from my house and I want to go down to Florida on vacation, I can't just start driving. I mean, I can, I'll get there eventually, but I'll, it's eventually, right? So if I want to get there by, if today is Friday and I want to be there by Sunday, I have to put it in my navigation, use my maps and my Apple maps and let it give me the turn by turn guidelines so I can get there, but not just get there, but get there in time. Um, and so the vision and the groundwork is very important before you can dive into anything else. And of course, why, why are we doing it? You know? Yeah. So that's kind of the journey. I think Tony Robbins got me started very early on. And then of course, you know, going through sports, I played football growing up and, um, I had been around a lot of coaches that kind of just, you go to practice and they wing it. And then I've been around some coaches where the entire year is it's mapped out in such detail, you wouldn't believe. And, but the performance that came from that was amazing. And so I, I've i had many, many coaches over the years. Lots of them, I just didn't like, um, you know, they jump on the phone with you for 15 minutes, 30 minutes ask you what your problems are, what you want to talk about. They might give you some good information. But I realized when I got off the phone call, it's like, okay, what do I do now? And I didn't want to be that kind of strategist or coach. For me, every time I think of a coach, I think of my football coaches. And, you know, you look at Michigan with Jim Harbaugh. You you spend all this time and money bringing in a coach for one reason. They have a strategy and it's their job to put it together. And so as a coach, I'm not just there to talk to you, I'm there to develop a strategy and I'm there to boost your performance so that you can compete and play the game and win. And I'm there with you every step of the way. And so we have developed a, um, a software program that, yes, will track results and things like that, but it, it scores you every single week based on your execution of your strategy. So that when I jump on a call with you, I don't need to ask you how you're doing. I can see if you're doing it or not. you know. And so I'm kind of more of a coach's coach, right? I, I, I want you to boost performance, but not only in business, in your personal life. My system will also track personal commitments. So if you know, you, we sit down and you say, I want to be a good father, I want people, I want my kids to re- remember me and, and you know that I'm there. One of the things that we're going to have to do as a personal commitment is you're going to have to spend some time with your kids every day or a few times a week, one on one, you know, personal time. So if you're out there and you're running your business and you're busy, which we do as entrepreneurs, um, but you forget to go to your kids practice or you forget to spend that time with them, the system's going to score you. And I'm going to call you out just the same because you're not being the person that you need to be. And you're going to in the long run, that's going to hurt you. So we kind of track everything as a whole.
0: You would just said, gave me a really
1: long answer, you know, I just no, kind of no, started. No, 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 fantastic.
0: Hey, you, you're making my job very easy. You hit on so many different things. I don't even know where to start, but yeah, I love what you said. Oh no, no, no. It's perfect. It's perfect. I've, I've got it all up here cataloged. I'm, I'm a structural engineer by trade. So, there you um, go. yeah, lots of processes. <laughs> mostly up here though. Um, what you said when you grew up, I remember going, my mother was a school teacher. And I remember going to her class and just seeing how she interacted with her students. She taught special ed for about 35 years. And yeah, I was on my Game Boy as well. Just playing video games, things like that. The cool thing about being a kid, like like you were saying, is you absorb that whether you're paying attention or not. Something I love to talk about is neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. And when you're that young, you're passively plastic. So you're absorbing everything without even knowing it. You don't even have to be paying attention and you're picking things up. And I forget who said it, but they say leadership is caught, not taught. My old mentor used to tell me this all the time. And I think it's so important. And This goes to something that I definitely want to touch on that, that you stress a lot in your business coaching is that how important relationships are jim rome says you, know, you are the five people you surround yourself with or give me the five people you spend the most time with and i'll tell you what your future is going to look like right and, and so it seems like for you just unknowingly just being around your dad it being you and just your dad for the first 10 11 years you got a lot of exposure to business owners to successful people. Now, obviously they have their own personal and professional problems and issues that they work through, but you also surrounded yourself with people like that. So can you just touch a little bit on how important not only relationships are, but the closest relationships that you have in your life?
1: Yeah, it's hard to stress, but it is extremely important, the people that you choose to be around. So my coach JT he says it's not your fault if you're born broke but it is your fault if you die broke and whatever you're born into whatever neighborhoods or cities or families or groups of friends or schools that you grow up in you can change that but you have to make the choice to change that and man the mindset of the people who are at these different levels um You really, if you, when you spend some time around them, you really see the difference, the different activities and the tasks and the daily things and the choices that they make that are different from people that don't. Now, my dad growing up, he was a police officer when I was born. He made the change to change his life. And I saw the work and I saw what he was doing. My mother, Biological mother has been a police officer, firefighter, EMT her whole life. She still is. And um, everybody has their role and nothing is good or bad. But the difference is what I've learned is one individual, one group of people can say something or want to do something and you kind of see it happen. where the other people have the intentions of doing something and they say these things, but they never happen. And it all comes down to action. But the people that you're around are the ones that are pushing you to do that. And I think one of the – I use a lot of sports analogies. Um, When I was in seventh grade, my dad had um, gotten promoted from John Hancock to New York Life, and he had to move over to the east side of the state. So I was growing up in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I had to go over to the east side of the state. In the middle of middle school, I was not at all happy to go. I did not want to go. Um, When I got there, I was angry. And I remember it was halfway through the year. So it was track and field was getting started. You know, everything was done. And I always did football and then track because it helped me with my speed and agility and everything in the offseason. So were there. And this happens to be the first year that I was doing track and field. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So they have you going around doing different things like, you know, 100 meter dash and the long jump and the 400 and just kind of seeing where your strengths are. And so we had done to the long jump. I was a sprinter. I knew I was a sprinter. And uh, so they thought maybe the long jump would be a good activity because they wanted you to do at least three different events. And I was angry. So It was my turn and I ran and I jumped and I beat the school record, Um, surprisingly. But one of the guys behind me was the top athlete at the time at the school. He didn't like that very much. So when he jumped, he beat my record. And then that upset me. So I went and beat it again. But instead of fighting with each other, we became best friends and we still are today. What I realized was that level of competition, we did something three different times that day that hadn't been done for years, only because we pushed each other. So the people that you're around, if they're high achievers and you want to sit on the couch and watch a movie, they're not going to let you do that or they're going to pick on you, right? Because you're wasting daylight, do that stuff at nine o'clock at night or something when you're done. Um, so it's just a different type of people. And some people I think I've, i think are maybe a little scared of that level of, of being on point all the time, but the plateaus that you get to um, that is all done by the people that you're around because they're pushing you. And that level of competition drives yourself or it should drive yourself. So I have a group of friends, there's six of us, that we've been friends since I moved um, in seventh grade. Um, But we're friends on, we know each other's personal life, but that's not the proximity of people that I deal with in a day to day. So I've been able to compartmentalize a group of people that I love and I cherish, but they're not on the same path that I want to be on. And so in my daily life, I've surrounded myself and tried everything that I could to break into certain networks of people provide value. However I can just to be in that network. um, Because I firmly believe that those people are the ones that are going to push you to do better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tony talks about that. Um, I think he talks about like Marines or Navy SEALs and you, um, I forget what I'm going to butcher this and paraphrase it, but it's essentially he's saying you meet the expectations of the peers you're around. So if you're surrounding yourself with people whose standards are really high, it's like, I remember going golfing with my cousin. He's a little bit older than me. Very successful businessman, structural engineer as well. Uh, I'm crazy. Uh, So we have that in common, but he's really good at golf and I'm terrible, but I love getting out. I love just being Mm -hmm. out there, phone away, all that uh, it's very calming for me. But at the same time, I knew I was going to go with a guy who's very, very good at what he does. And so I was like, all right, I need to focus more. I need to step up my game. And you know, this is nothing to write home about, but I got my first par that day. And for me, that was a huge achievement because I would just whack the ball all over the place. But the moment I stepped on that and saw how he was presenting himself, I... I caught on to a lot of things. He gave me a lot of good pointers as well, but I, you know, I, I stayed really focused and I played the best golf of my life. I still haven't played that well since then and I've played a lot more since then, but it was just crazy just being around somebody like that and how my game got elevated instantly without any yeah. better skills or anything.
1: Yeah, there, there's, there's two different elements to that because as the person who's already that mentality... Like, if you go to Marines, right? Those Marines or SEALs or Green Berets or whatever level you want to, whatever group, they need you to be a peer because they have to put their life into you. And if you're not at that level, they're not going to battle with you. So they need you to be at that level. For you, you don't want to be, for me, anyways. I don't want to ever be last. I understand that I might not always be first, but I will never be last. And so, if I'm around a group of people that are doing something, I'm not going to be the weak link. So, I always pick up my game just to get there. And that levels me up. Now, last, um, what was, yeah, a month ago, I was um, speaking on stage. I was in, out in, in California and, um, uh, Phil Jackson, the great Phil Jackson was on stage with us and I had an opportunity to listen to him talk. And one of the, one of the things that he had talked about was the power of coaching, right? Cause he's the ultimate coach, Michael Jordan with the bulls, Kobe Bryant with the Lakers. And of course he had his own basketball career before he became a coach. But one of the things that, that he talked about was, or, or there was a question that was asked and it was, what did you do to coach Michael Jordan? And he said, honestly, I just had to stay out of his way because he knew what he was doing. It was about the other people. And a lot of people thought, and I think they touched on this on that, that last dance Netflix documentary, but um, a lot of people thought Michael Jordan was just too rough, Like right? He couldn't get around, along with people. But Phil Jackson's explanation was, Michael wasn't a bad guy, but he was not going to lower his standard and wait for you to catch up. He was on his path and you had to get there and find a way to get there fast. You know, like when somebody you're running, you're jogging, with <laughs> a group of friends or, you know, with your spouse and you're out there jogging and, and they're like, hey, wait up. Well, if you wait up, you're not pushing yourself anymore and so it's not about I'm being mean to you it's I'm trying to get you to recognize that by me waiting up you're hurting me and so we need we have a, a love for each other we want to push each other so I'm going to keep going or for, for me my uh she was a long distance runner I'm not a long distance runner so it would always be me saying hey slow down but I kind of remembered that. So I was like, just go, I'll catch up. So I would take my break and then I would sprint back to her and take a break and I'd sprint back to her because I couldn't run, but I didn't want to slow anybody down. So, you know, there's, there's two elements to that on both sides of it. And I think, you know, you have to find a lot of people don't have it. That's where the life side comes into. Um, you have to find a way to break through and find that competitive spirit again, because a lot of people lose it over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My old mentor used to say a a rising tide raises all ships. And that's kind of what Michael Jordan did. He was that rising tide. And, um, yeah, people might not like the way or on the surface, the way he went about it, but it got results. And you will ask anybody probably that were was on any of those teams and they are grateful for what he did, even if it was tough and harsh at times. But, um, I'm a huge Golden State Warriors fan. I'm originally from the Bay Area. And so Steve Kerr always talks about the fight that he got into with Michael Jordan and uh, you know, ended up throwing bows at each other. But he got the respect of Michael Jordan because he stood up for him. But Steve Kerr wouldn't be where he was in his career or possibly even his coaching career. He would have done well, but I don't think he would be at the level that he was if it wasn't for being around people like Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan for such a yeah. long time. That's the power of
1: coaching. Everybody needs one. I don't care what yeah. level you're at. If you look at all elite individuals in any career, they all have coaches. You know, yep. I've always had coaches, JT Fox. He's, he's not a billionaire yet, but he wants to be there. He's a nine figure guy. Now he has multiple coaches, his coaches, you know, Steve Hilton. And, uh, you know, um, I'm not going to name them all, but, you know, they have uh, he's got three or four different types of coaches. Right. But but even at that level, there's people above that level, you know, and if you're a billionaire and you got one billion, there's somebody who's got 10. Right. So there's always somebody at a different level that can help you pick up your game somewhere along the way. It's not about money. Those guys don't care about money. They don't do it for money. That was one of the greatest things that, you know, that I've learned from all of these high net worth Um, people, they don't do it for the money. They do it because it's their passion. They do it because they want to help and give back. And, and it's that mindset of providing value and doing things that allows them to have it, but they don't do it because of it,
0: you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's got that personal drive inside. You got to find it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree completely. So for people that are starting, let's just say, trying to shake off a lot of these these disempowering beliefs relationships specifically a lot of people spend time with their families and as we know you don't choose your family and there can there's always we're in the holidays right now and there's always the that uncle or that aunt or that relative that just is i don't know uh an energy taker or just a broke mindset things like that how do you work with people that have to differentiate between, yeah, who they spend their time with when it comes to their family. Maybe they have a super tight knit family um, or they have friends that they've been friends with for a long time. But how does somebody start working on evaluating who's in their life? And if they, like you said, you have friends, I have friends too that I'm very close with, but they're not the people I spend my days day in and day out with. Um, and they're not the growth mindset people. So how, how does somebody kind of navigate or start to navigate those kinds of relationships?
1: Um, it will be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life. So you have to really reflect on why it's important for you to change the relationship. And it could be a spouse. So you really have to think about what it is that you want and why do you want it first. Um, Somebody said this once, and I don't remember who it was. In order for you to get the life that you want, you have to give up the life that you have. And that's the hardest thing for people to do. because. You might want something more, but you don't really hate the life that you have. So it's kind of, it is hard to navigate that. One of the things that I would say is this, you don't have to stop seeing people. You just have to pick and choose when you're going to. And around holidays, for example, you're going to be around the people that you may have made that decision to, you know, you're not going to see every single day you know, certain holidays and birthdays and weddings and things like that. Um, but you have to be happy with yourself. And in order to be happy, you have to have a, you know, it's, that's that state and story. So it's the story that you tell yourself, right? And it's, um, think about their lives, right? They're, they want to see you. And I think that as a family person, I feel I need to be there for them when they need me to be, because that's the person that I want to be. Um, And I will always give them my time. But you also have to respect that some people just don't want. They're happy when you're happy. You don't have to be a millionaire or a billionaire or whatever that has nothing to do with it. And I look at some people and they're like, hey, I wish I You know, I'm jealous or I wish I had the things that you have and all that. And I look back at them and I say, I wish I had the things that you have. You know, you're married, you have kids, you have a family. I'm single. I don't. Right. So there's always there's always different takeaways for people. And so for you to break out of a certain group of people, don't look at it as a as a bad thing. You're doing it to help. You're doing it because you have a purpose. You're doing it because it's what you want. And it, for you to be happy, everybody around you will feel that and be happy with you. But if you're stressed and you're not happy, everybody around you is going to feel that. So I think the best thing that you can do is just define what it is that you want and why it's important to you. And to navigate those relationships, you it's, it's not, it's not a breakup of the relationship. It's just an evolution of the relationship, you know, and, um, you might spend a little bit less time around some people. Um, and it's hard at first, but they're either going to come with you or they're not. Yeah. And you know, that's, it's, it's a hard one. It is a hard one. You know? So if I'm working with somebody on that, um, you know, there's so many different moving elements, but I'm working with you. And so to really answer that question, it's really asking you some questions and diving in on what you want. And then I'll help you navigate that. Um, but I can't speak for your family or your friends and how they're going to react other than to tell you to be mindful. You don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to put them down while doing so. Um, and if somebody calls you out and you have some friends that like, Hey, we're going to go to the bar tonight. Let's go. No, I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to, I'm going to read this, or I'm going to listen to this audio book or I'm going to do something. Oh, come on that, you know, get up. You don't have to do that. Let's go out. Well, you do that on Monday. We're going to go have fun tonight. You just have to know ahead of time. And so that's part of the vision and the planning work that goes into the foundation before you can get to that point is knowing that things like that are going to happen. And how do
0: you want to handle it? Um, so you know, it's a hard one. It is a hard one. No, I agree. I agree completely. And I think anybody like yourself or, or myself that goes through this journey where we want to grow, we want to get better, we want to give, it's a journey. And we can't go on this journey if we're staying at home. All these stories that you hear about, you know, like uh, the Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, I'm a huge fan of, Like, he didn't stay at the Shire and have this epic adventure. He had to go out into the unknown, meet new people, make new relationships. He had, you know, Frodo had had the uh, opportunity to bring his friends with him, but we don't all have that luxury from time to time because we can't control our friends' lives. They have to make those choices for themselves. But people, I think, also have to realize too, when you start to change, like you said, people are going to either change with you or they're not. And a lot of people want to stay comfortable They want to keep people around them that are at their level too. So you have to be aware as you start changing, there might be some friction with certain people. Now, Mm -hmm. if they're friends or family members that just love you unconditionally, they will, even if they don't understand, they will support you 100%. But not everybody will. It's not a guarantee. But that's nothing about what you're doing. You're doing nothing wrong. You're just wanting to be better and to do better. And so... Yeah. Like you said, it's, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things to do. It's much harder than picking up a book and learning something new and, and pouring yourself into other people. We get so much out of that, but yeah, letting go of those relationships and changing your, your life is that's the hard part
1: too, as you grow. And if you learn certain things, so I remember years ago, coming back from uh, a Tony Robbins live event, And I did, um, it was the Unleash the Power Within, right? And so I'm there live. And I just remember coming back and being so excited to tell everybody that I knew, you have to go to this. And nobody wanted to hear it. It's a cult. It's nonsense. It's a scam. And I'm just like, no, you don't. He's just a motivator. No, it's more than that. And nobody wanted to hear it. And I was just like, "Man, I'm on cloud 9 and I just come back trying to transfer that emotion, and now I'm like at like a 5 because I can't tell anybody about this experience." And then I realized what I learned years this was later on now not then, but I had learned other things about helping people rewire different ways of thinking and, um, changing patterns. Um, and so I would test it to build my own skill. And so I would realize that, you know, somebody's venting to me because I have a bad day. And I just, in the middle of them venting, I can see their anxiety, their anger rising, their voice is getting louder. They're talking a little bit faster and you can kind of notice some of these things. And I just said, I really, really like the shoes that you have on right now, because that was one of the examples that was given at the time. And I said, I just not to stop you, but I really like those shoes right now. And they're like, what? And you could just immediately see that you broke their pattern of da, 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 da. And I knew what I did. They didn't have a clue, but I know that I stopped them from getting to a different level. And I re, I kind of re I broke their pattern and um i felt good about that so sometimes it wasn't like look what i just did and look what i learned and you need to it's sometimes it's you know take what you learn and apply it to people in just little ways that maybe over time they might you know you might help change them or their attitude on certain things and who knows maybe that will be the catalyst that breaks them forward
0: so yeah yeah no we're just all a uh, a set of a uh, electrical firings throughout our body, throughout our nervous system. And by just breaking their state, you're interrupting that pattern because that's a pattern that everybody goes through. I, anger was one of my patterns. Uh, Shutting down was another one of my patterns. And by you interrupting somebody's pattern, yeah, it might not change them in this monumental way instantly, but that's a start. And the more that pattern, and we do the same thing with ourselves, the more we break our own patterns, It's difficult though, because we're, a lot of people are feel And I used to be like this are on autopilot day in and day out. They wake up, they get Mm -hmm. their coffee, they read their news or whatever they do. They have their daily rituals, their daily habits. And so I think growth, it's just a set of exercises where we're interrupting our patterns and interrupting those, those connections. So yeah, very powerful stuff. Um, Once again, Tony is the owner of AMBCO, which is a coaching business that helps people grow their businesses and their lives. He's also the host of Antonio Bravada's Business Coaching and Optimization Podcast. And he is also the author of several books, including Swimming Upstream and a children's book called Jump to the Stars. Now, one of the things I want to jump on, which probably is pretty scary for people, it's just, it's the S word. And probably just saying it uh, is going to get butterflies in people's stomachs. And being an engineer, I hated sales. Going to a used car lot. Everyone talks about that, right? The experience they have at the used car lot. So being a business coach, you talked about sales a little bit earlier. Can you talk a little bit about sales and how somebody can develop it, even if they're not a business owner, even if they're not in the business realm? Because I think it's important because we're selling ourselves all day, every day. Whether it's to our spouse, our children, our friends, our employers, uh, people we meet on the street at the supermarket, we're always selling ourselves. So, what are some ways that people can sell themselves to elevate their lives, elevate their game, and do it in a way that's natural that that doesn't feel like gimmicky or anything like that? Do you do you have any suggestions or what? What's your own selling sales or selling like a product in general? I'd say just we're all selling ourselves. We are right. our biggest product. So that's just an extension of us. Yeah. Um, so you, you I sell guess what I'm getting every to everybody, yeah.
1: right? Yep. And and thinking of it, people sometimes people are scared of sales and they don't like salesmen, but you are everybody's a salesman. And sales really at its core is. You know, you have a group of friends that or your spouse and they want to go see a movie and they want to see this movie and you want to see this movie or you want to go to this restaurant and they want to go to this restaurant. You're selling them on either the movie that you want to see or they're selling you on the one that they want to see. It doesn't have to be necessarily a product. Um, And I don't like uh, salespeople who sell things to trick people into buying. Sales is in order for anybody to make a decision, they are either uncertain or they are absolutely certain. And the absolutely certain is what is the close, that is the sale. And that means that whatever it is, I'm absolutely certain that you are going to better my life. You are what I need. This product is what I need to better my life because everybody's looking. On the being sold side, you're looking at it. What is this for me? What does this do for me? So selling something, anything to anybody is transferring an emotion. And that emotion is certainty. And if you are not certain yourself, you can never transfer that emotion. So you don't have to convince somebody to buy something or to buy you. You have to be you and you have to understand who that is first. And you have to have the confidence that I know that I can help you. And so when I'm talking to you, if I know I can help you, eventually that emotion, that certainty will transfer over to that individual. They're going to believe it. And that's when a sale happens. It doesn't matter if I'm going to sell you on marrying me. I have to know (laughs) in my head, that I'm going to be the best person for you. And I also have to know where you are on this this scale of zero to 10 of how certain I can gauge you are in knowing that. Because I can't ask you to marry me if you're like a five because you're going to say no. And so I have to be able to work the relationship enough to where I know that you know this is going to work and then I can ask you. And that's just like with anything in sales. And so I think a lot of mistakes that salespeople make or anybody makes in sales is um, asking too early um, and not really paying attention enough to the person that you're talking to, to know what their real problem is and whether or not you can solve it. Um, Did that answer your question?
0: Oh yeah. No, that's super powerful because I f- I feel like most people, business owners, non business owners, they hear the word sale and automatically go to this place of uh trying to trick somebody or swindle somebody or manipulate or coerce somebody into something they might not necessarily want. But yeah, yeah so I, I had one to-
1: client that that jumps in mind when when we talk about this. So uh he owned a, a roofing window siding business, and his main product was roofs. Right. And so he wanted help growing his business, but he he had a problem with uh, finding quality salespeople. There's not a lot of, you know, talented salespeople that want to go sell roofs. Right. It's not glitz and glamour. There's not a lot of money involved in it. So I had to be able to work with people and develop that psychological aspect of helping them grow to be better salesmen so that they could make more money. But one of the things was, is that, you know, before I met him, it was, here's your script, here's your pitch. And he, people had to memorize it word for word. And he made sure of that. And you go into the house and they have their canvassers going in neighborhoods and they have, you know, their online marketing and people just want these free estimates on their roof and, you know, um, or they're knocking on doors and saying, Hey, your roof is old. Can we set you down with somebody for a free inspection? So they're going to the house and And these salespeople are trying to convince people that they need to replace their roof. 17,000, 15,000, you know, roofs are not cheap. I didn't even know you had to replace a roof on your house before I met the guy. Um, And uh, I'm sitting there listening because I just want to see, I don't, I don't inject myself right away. I want to see the process first. So at the end of it, I said, I don't really think that person needs a roof right now. Do you? And they're like, no, they don't need it now, but they'll need it within the next few years, right? And so, okay, but you didn't get that sale right now because they didn't believe that they needed it now either. So here's what I would have done. And this is eventually how we ended up training everybody. I went up there, you know, you you take a look at the things that you're supposed to take a look at, you come back and you sit down with the family and you go through all of the pain points of the roof. They don't care about everything, right? Nobody's going to I don't care, tell me what's dire, right? So you're only gonna talk about the important things that need to be addressed. And then you're gonna say this, your roof is old. It does need to be replaced. It does not need to be replaced today, but it does need to be replaced within the next three to five years. Here's the problem. If you look at three to five years ago, roofing is priced on squares. Three to five years ago, you could have got your roof done for $200 a square, $235 a square. Today, it's more like $600 a square, $700 a square. Three to five years from now, it might be $1,000 a square. I mean, you can look back through the history of materials and roofing and labor rates and everything else. Course, interest rates. We're in the lowest interest rate time we've ever had. Now you're starting to see interest rates rise. And so, over the next three to five years, we don't know what's going to happen. We do know that you're going to have to change the roof. It might be a wise decision to do it now because it's probably going to save you thousands of dollars if you wait three to five years. And so, the difference was I'm not convincing you to do it now because you don't need to do it now. And if I try to tell you you need to do it now, you know that it doesn't have to be done today. But if you can make logic out of the situation that is better for them, you don't have to do it now. You could wait, but if you do wait, this might happen. So you could save more money by doing it now and let them make that decision by giving a logical, reasonable explanation for it. The logic and the certainty of what you're saying, nobody else is coming and saying that. Every single person that they're talking to is trying to sell them a roof. You just gave them something completely different and when we did that when we implemented that philosophy of change all of these guys went from 2 out of 10 the lowest person in the company was 4 out of 10 and that was consistent for 18 months while i was working with them nobody was under 40% closing and it was just a different way of looking at it so that's sales in general if you if you can actually help somebody they're going to make the decision you're not convincing anybody you're right. You you have to push them down a the line to where it makes sense for them. And it's something that you would do. I would make mm-hmm. a decision to do that now because I see that. Right. And you can see where things are going. So just a little bit different of of thinking in the psychology. What do they want? What do they want to hear? What's going to be in their best interest? You know, and
0: well, just everybody's problem is different too. sales is really just solving people's problems. Some people it's yeah. money other people it's not money it's it's something else and so listening to people obviously like you said knowing your product and not just knowing the product itself but knowing how markets change and things like that so knowing everything about your product having confidence and yeah it's just um we're selling ourselves day in and day out Uh, i know we're wrapping up here soon But one thing I want to touch on is whether it's a business or anything else, they always talk about 80% of businesses or running a business is psychology and 20% mechanics. I'm sure you've heard those ratios before. But I feel that applies almost to anything. 80% of whatever you do is your psychology. And wherever you are currently in your life is because of your psychology. So if you're poor, it's because of your psychology. If you're rich, psychology if you're somewhere in between well you just need to change your psychology put yourself around the right people up your game sacrifice so sacrifice today so that you don't have to sacrifice later in life make the hard choices today to have an easier life rather than easy choices today to have a harder life yeah and i like you said at the beginning you are a business strategist and there's a immense amount of skill that goes with business strategy but that's only twenty percent. That's the mechanics part of it. Eighty percent of what you're working on is how do I change this person's psychology? How do I up their psychology game? Because no matter if you go bankrupt and lose everything, if you have that psychology, you can build it back up. Keith Cunningham, you hit on earlier is a prime yeah. example of that. Tony's yeah. been through it. hundred oh. million. Yeah, yeah, all these guys. They have been at rock bottom, but they still had the same psychology and they were able to turn it around. They didn't give up. They kept pushing and fighting every single day. They All these crazy external circumstances didn't change who they were internally. And I think that's the, the biggest yeah. thing is how can you change your psychology or up your psychology? Because yeah, wherever we are today, squarely on our own own shoulders. And we're the ones that need to change ourselves from the inside out to get to the next step. That's
1: the biggest lesson, biggest lesson, because a lot of people look at it and say, how can I make more money? Those people look at it and say, how can I make more change? How can I give more value? They don't look at it as money. So you're asking the wrong questions. You know, you got to ask the right questions and it's all psychology.
0: That's right. That's right. And I wish we had more time. But it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, I definitely want to have you again on again at some point. This was just Absolutely. amazing. You are an amazing person. I love your story. I love what you do, how you help people. So for those of you who are listening, Tony's company is AMBCO, which is a coaching business that helps people grow their businesses and their life. Check out his podcast, Antonio Bravada's Business Coaching and Optimization, and also get some of his books, Swimming Upstream and Jump to the Stars. So once again, thank you for coming on. Just valuable, valuable stuff. And I really want to get you back on because I know we can go at this on we could so talk many different hours. levels yeah, yeah exactly
1: Joe rogan style you know he uh you know some of his podcasts are two hours three hours long so anytime let me know anytime
0: awesome sounds great well thank you once again for those of you listening thank you for checking out the show subscribe rate it five stars tell your friends and family we got get more guys like antonio on the show just great great stuff to help empower and change your lives so with that said thank you very much Ace out.